Turn with me in the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 29. Genesis 29, praise the name of the Lord. Genesis 29, and today I want to preach a message entitled, Dealing with Disappointment. Dealing with Disappointment. Uh, I don't know about you, but from time to time... Life can be a little disappointing. There are struggles and problems and circumstances that we face that affect us emotionally, that bring us down spiritually, that even at times, and it's well-confirmed, a well-confirmed fact that what we sometimes go through emotionally or go through in our lives affects us even physically. Stress weighs upon us. You feel the physical effects of it. Struggles that you may have at a job or maybe that you have in your home or it could be that a marriage is failing, that there is a family that's being torn apart because of something that is happening in that family. It could be that maybe you as a parent have a son or a daughter who are rebelling against you and all of those things bring about this weight upon you, this struggle that you find it hard to deal with, this disappointment. Obviously, you know, at least I, I know from, from the perspective of a parent, uh, when I first held my firstborn in my arms, that very first time that I became a dad, I had great hope and expectation. And today, I still have great hope and expectations. But most of you, some of you who are not at the same stage as I am, having a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, you have maybe a whatever-year-old, and they're much older, and maybe you see them take a direction and a path that in your wildest dreams you had not anticipated. You would not believe that that would be the case. There is a sense of disappointment in your heart, things don't quite go the way that you had planned. The question is, how are we to deal with that? What are we supposed to do about that particular problem when we are disappointed? Genesis 29, and I'm going to read a probably a very different sort of passage to talk about this particular topic. But Genesis 29, starting at verse 31, the Bible says this, But because Leah was unloved, the Lord let her have a child, while Rachel was childless. So Leah became pregnant and had a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and had another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. 
Again, she became pregnant and had a son. She named him Levi, for she said, Surely now my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. Once again, she became pregnant and had a son. She named him Judah, for she said, Now I will praise the Lord. This is a very strange passage for us to read in finding out how we are to deal with disappointment. But I want to give you a little bit of background to what it is that we're reading about and why we're reading about this lady by the name of Leah. Leah was, was the older of two sisters. There was Leah and Rachel. And if you remember the story, if you read earlier in this passage where Jacob arrives at his uncle Laban's house, he is now leaving. He is running from Esau. Esau wants to kill him. His twin brother Esau wants to kill him because Jacob has stolen the birthright. He's stolen the blessing. He's taken everything that belonged to Esau. Now he is gone and he is away. And now all of a sudden Jacob looks up in the land where he is, is arriving to at his uncle Laban's and he sees this, this little lady, this woman, by the name of Rachel. And for him, it was love at first sight. He saw her and, and that was it for him. And so he strikes a deal with his uncle. He says, I've got to have her. He says, listen, you've got to work, Jacob, for seven years to marry Rachel. And sure enough, the Bible says that he loved her so much that he worked for that amount of time and it was like days to him instead of years. You want to talk a romantic story. This, was, this is romance like Hollywood can't produce. He worked and it was like days. Oh, I can't wait. I love Rachel. She's going to be my wife. Came time. He said, all right. I, I, Rachel is my wife. She's got to be my wife. And Laban said, all right. What he didn't know was it was a trick going on behind his back. Because in Laban's mind, he said, it's not, not right for the oldest daughter not to be married before the younger. And so now there is this, this element of deceit that enters into this whole situation and he tricks Jacob into marrying Leah. And all of a sudden, the morning after, he wakes up and lo and behold, there is Leah. Jacob is angry. He runs out and says, what have you done to me? Now, we, we look at, at Jacob and his interaction with Laban and we think about you know, what Laban did to deceive him and, and all of that. And the, the one who seems to be least talked about in the whole story is poor Leah. Can you imagine? All of a sudden, Jacob wakes up and realizes, you're not Rachel. You're Leah. And I'm married to you. And I didn't want to be married to you. I wanted to be married to your sister. So now here we have it and we understand what it is that Leah is saying a little bit better because in essence Leah was in a relationship that had no love a part of it. There was no love involved in it all. Now she had been pushed into a situation that whether of her own choosing or whether of her father's choosing, she was now in a situation where she was married to a man who did not want her. 
And so now she runs out, or he, uh, Jacob runs out, and Jacob begins to, to tell his la- Laban, his uncle, he says, you've deceived me. What have you done? He said, listen, you can have Rachel. Just wait until this wedding week is over, week-long celebration. Wait till it's over, and I'll give you Rachel, but you've got to work another seven years. He said, fine. And shortly thereafter, he married Rachel. But you see the heart of Leah in all of this. When we read this passage, I don't know if you began to understand and began to see what it was that was going on in the heart of this woman. This woman, she says, I was unloved. Nobody cared about my husband. The man who's supposed to love me doesn't even love me. Can you imagine the disappointment? Can you imagine what's going on on the inside of this woman? This woman is heartbroken, not not only because she is unloved, but because she is now in a situation where she is trying to get the attention of her husband. The emotional disappointment that comes as a result of this is so powerful. And yet, where does she find the answer? Well, I want us to look this morning It's something that she looks at first. We're going to look at this too. We're going to look at her emotional pain for a moment. Because in all of this, Leah is going to discover something very wonderful that is going to help us to understand how it is that we're to deal with our own disappointment. And it may seem like a cop-out. It may even seem like, you know, a situation where we're ignoring the problem. It's not at all. It is instead what she discovers, and hopefully today what we can discover through that we can begin to see how important this one element of our lives really is. But let's look at her emotional pain. Verses 31 down through to 34. In fact, we'll read 31 and 32 again. The Bible says this, But because Leah was unloved, the Lord let her have a child, while Rachel was childless. So Leah became pregnant and had a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. I want you to notice this about her emotional pain, and this is what we often do as well, is that we sometimes seek fulfillment from something else, from other things. And this is what she did. She said, fine. And the Lord, the Bible says, the Lord allowed her to have a son. The Lord gave her a child. And so she said, you know, maybe now my husband's going to love me, but... Uh, The Lord has has blessed me in all of this. And you know what? Brothers and sisters, there are times in our lives where we begin to seek solutions of our own that sort of, you know, hopefully will satisfy the emptiness on the inside of us. We begin to look at fleshly things, at worldly things, at materialistic things. And we begin to say, well, if I can just have this, I will now really be happy. And the longing of my soul is going to really be satisfied if I can have this. We go after other things in life, hoping that somewhere along the way it's going to fill the need that we have in our lives. This is exactly what began to happen in her heart. You notice it through the statements that she makes. She says, the Lord has noticed my misery and now my husband will love me. She is still seeking that affection. She's seeking that fulfillment in her marriage, that fulfillment in her relationship. She is hoping that somehow her husband is now going to take notice of her instead of her sister Rachel. And she is hoping that somehow in all of this that, that she will find that which fills the longing of her soul. 
There are many people who are caught up in an endless cycle, trying to get peace and satisfaction in so many different areas of, our, of their lives. They're going after this thing. They're going after that thing. They say, now, if I can just have this. I don't know how many people, how many Christian believers have come to a place in their lives where maybe it is that they've been single so long and they say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter where this person stands in the kingdom. I'm just going to marry them because I want to be married. They come to a place where they will compromise what the Word of God says. Can I just give a word to those who are single? Marry somebody who is on the road to heaven with you. And don't think for a minute that you're going to drag them out of hell and get them into heaven through your relationship. It doesn't work. Rarely does it ever work. You believe that God is going to direct you and lead you and guide you and you say he hasn't done it in all of these years. Let me tell you something. It could be that God has an even greater purpose in your life that he is looking to fulfill and he is looking to plan out. But don't allow that area to be compromised thinking it's going to fill the longing of your soul. It's not going to fill the longing of your soul. We're going to see how she arrives at being filled in just a few moments. She turns from one thing to another. She knew that the Lord had seen that she was unloved, but she looked to have the whole in her heart filled by a second son. Listen to verse 33. The Bible says this. She soon became pregnant again and had another son. She named him Simeon. For she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. So now it almost seems as though she is not believing that her husband is going to be affectionate. She is now going to surround herself with children who are, they're going to love, at least for a few years, they're going to really love her as the mama. You know, mothers, you know how it happens, right? It, it, well, it happens to dads too, but mothers feel it so much more, so much more. You know, I'm, we've got an eight-year-old. She up here? No. All right, good. I can tell on her. You know, at school, it's now, we used to go up and stand with her in line. Just hang out with her in line. You know, they wait outside. Now, get her out of the car. She grabs her backpack immediately. Bye, Dad. I get a hug on the sidewalk still. But the line, no. No more. No more the line. We got a five-year-old coming up. That'll happen again. But you know how it happens? So you, she's surrounded. Now she's got two sons thinking, okay, the sons are going to love me. There's an emptiness on the inside. You see it? There's an emptiness there. So it's not coming from the husband. She's not getting the love from Jacob. But now she's got two sons. And these two sons are going to love her. It's going to fill her need. And yet you find that no matter how many children you might have in life, let me tell you something, there is only one hole in the heart that can be filled by one man, one person, and his name is Jesus. Now, she seeks the fulfillment and love of this second son. She goes from one empty hope to another. And I know that there is usually a special bond between children and their mother, even more so than the dad. But you know what? In many, many ways, we find that in life, there is this pulling back, this independence. It has to happen. We know that. Kids have to begin to work on their own, think on their own, go on their own, and eventually be on their own. Right, Ryan? 
He's headed to college soon. You know, and, and it happens, folks. So now Julian and Christy are going to be empty nesters. Hard to believe. They don't look like empty nesters. But they're going to be empty nesters. Nobody at home, just the two of them. And you know what? In the end, you've got to find your longing not from those that are, your, the, the, the longing of your soul to be filled, not from those that are around you. It doesn't happen that way. It can't happen that way. But she also goes back to the same things. Look at verse 34. The Bible says this. Now, here we've got mentioned the first two sons. She's mentioning God. She's, she is She's, she's got her attention at least a little bit on God. But now look, the third son is being born. The Bible says, again, she became pregnant and had a son. She named him Levi. We don't see any mention of God now. Surely now my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. Now God isn't even in the picture. She has forgotten about the fact that it was God who helped her in this situation. And God began to give her these children and, and allowed her to have this experience as a mother. But you know what? In the end, in the end, she's forgetting about God. She's forgetting about the fact that God's a part of this whole picture, this whole grand scheme of things. And now she says, well, you know, maybe my husband's going to love me now. Well, I got to tell you, just recently having read through the book of Genesis again, the end of the story is it didn't happen. So where are you going to find the strength? Where are you going to find the help? What do you do when you're so disappointed that all the things that you had hoped would bring about a change, all the things that you had hoped would somehow bring a blessing or bring about a, a, a fulfillment in your life, what are you going to do? Where, where are you going to find the help? Where are you going to find the ability to stand on your own two feet? i got to tell you, the fourth son, that was born to her opens up a whole new avenue to her. It opens up something brand new to her. And I want you to look at the exciting power that she discovers. In the midst of her desperation, look at verse 35, and let's read that. The Bible says this, Once again, she became pregnant and had a son. She named him Judah, for she said, Now I will praise the Lord. I want you to get this and get this into your heart. Remember how she is trying her best to find fulfillment in other people. She's trying to find fulfillment in a husband who does not love her, a husband who did not pick her. She has been forced and thrust into a situation that she didn't want to be in. She is pushed into a position where she is married to a man who does not love her. And she is sorely disappointed. And now she's had three sons. And those three sons, she thought maybe between the combination of the love that she gets from the three sons and hopefully the attention that she might get from her husband because of the three sons, that somewhere along the way, the emptiness on the inside was going to be fulfilled, but it wasn't. 
But somewhere along the way, she began to focus her attention not on Jacob, not on Simeon, not on Reuben, not on Levi. But now there's another son that comes along and something, we don't know what it was or when it was, but something begins to change in her heart where she's not looking to Reuben anymore. She's not looking to Simeon or Levi and she's not even looking to Judah anymore. She's not looking to Jacob, but now she is looking at the Lord. She names him Judah. And the word Judah in the original language sounds like the same word that is used for praise. She says, now I will praise the Lord. In other words, I've come to the end of my rope. What are you doing with your disappointment today? What are you doing with the pain and frustration of your life? What are you doing with all the letdowns? What are you doing somewhere, you know, somewhere in your life? There are these, these difficulties that are happening. And today, it might be that you walked into the building, you so weighed down with your struggles and your problems and your difficulties. And yet, I'm here to let you know today, the one person who can fulfill the longing of your heart and your spirit and break the power of disappointment is only the Lord. And I got to tell you, it comes when we begin to focus our attention on Him him through praise and through worship it doesn't come from something that you're running after it doesn't come from whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy it's only going to come from the Lord. I don't know where the change happened in her heart. I don't know what it was, but we don't see any mention of 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 the, the love and the affection of her sons. We don't see any mention of the love and the affection that she craves and desires from her husband. All we see is a declaration that says, now, now I will praise the Lord. Listen, brothers and sisters, the time to praise the Lord is when you're so deep in your depression and disappointment that somehow you don't think you can make it out. The time for you to say, now I'm going to praise the Lord is when you are so frustrated by life, you you don't think you can handle it it's time to praise the Lord because he's going to pour in a blessing in your life when you praise him now I will praise him now I'm going to give God glory now I'm going to worship the Lord. Now I'm going to get my eyes off flesh. I'm going to get my eyes off people who let me down I'm going to get my eyes off those around me that I've been hoping somehow is going to fill this emotional need in my life. And I'm going to begin to get it into the presence of the Lord because He is the only one who can help us. He is the only one who can fill that hole in your heart, that place in your spirit that has been drilled there and has been put there for one reason and one reason alone, to be filled by him, filled by him and him alone. She named that son Judah. She said, now I will praise the Lord. The significance of his name has been realized all throughout the Old Testament. When we realize as you get into the Old Testament a little further, you begin to see what it is that Judah meant as, an, as, a, as a tribe to the people of Israel. We get into places into uh, where Jehoshaphat is about ready to go out and face the armies and the word of the Lord came and said don't fear stand still and see the salvation of the Lord God is going to fight the battle for you and we read about that we're so encouraged but I want you to you, you to understand what it was Jehoshaphat the Bible says 
chose those who would go out praising the Lord. There were those from the tribe of Judah who were chosen to go out and praise the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, all throughout Scripture we see that Judah is vitally important because it is out of the tribe of Judah would come the Messiah, the one who would take away the sin of the world. If there is anything that ought to bring praise to our hearts and our spirits and to our mouths today, it is the fact that the lion of the tribe of Judah is Jesus and that he came to this earth to die on a cross so that you could be free from your sin and you could be free today from all the things that have bound you in the past. Oh, Judah, ah, now I will praise the Lord. I just had a son, but you know what? I'm going to praise God. I'm not looking at Jacob Jacob can't, he's not doing it for me. He's not fulfilling my emotional needs. He's not being the husband he ought to be, even though I know he was tricked into the whole thing. But he's still not being what he ought to be, being a deadbeat husband. And he's just, you know, he's just not, I'm not going to look to him. My sons, they gather around me, they love me, call me mama, they come to me whenever they need anything. But you know what, I'm not going to look to them either. I'm going to look to the Lord in everything that I face. Whatever the disappointment you walked in here today with, can I challenge you that the answer for you is something so vital and so simple that maybe it is that you'll walk out without having discovered it unless we talked about this today. And that is the need for you to praise the name of the Lord in the midst of your disappointment. Her declaration was one of determination. She determined she was going to praise God. Now I will praise the Lord. Now I will. Her determination was one that came in spite of there being no human resolution to her problem. It wasn't like Jacob showed up at the tent and said, you know, I've really been a, just a bad husband. You know, I realize we were both tricked into this, but you know what? I need to be better to you. I need to treat you better. I need to love you more. We don't see that happening. We don't see any resolution to the issue. We don't see anybody showing up saying, now Leah, here's here's what's going to happen. This is all going to fall into place for you. We don't see that. All we see is the determination of a woman who says, I'm going to praise the Lord in spite of my trouble, in spite of my pain, in spite of my disappointment, I will praise the name of the Lord. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, in the midst of our trouble, we've got to have the same kind of determination. You might not feel like it. You might not want to. It might not come from the the inside, but there's got to be something there that says, God is still in control of my problem, my situation, and I am still going to praise the name of the Lord. Now, we see in all of this, this one little part of that phrase where she says, I will praise the Lord, it is the word Lord. I don't know about you, but this is powerful. If you see this, let's understand this a little bit better. The word Lord here literally means self-existent or eternal one. It was revealed to her in that moment that God was bigger than all of her problems, that God was bigger than all of her desires, that God was worthy of praise no matter what she was feeling, no matter what she was going through. He is the self-existent or eternal 
God. He is the one worthy of praise. She's saying, Lord, I'm going to praise the one who is bigger than all the stuff that I'm going through. I'm going to praise the one who is more powerful than anything that I'm dealing with right now. The disappointment of my heart is small and tiny today by comparison to the powerful God that you and I serve. It is minute by comparison to him brothers and sisters if God is for us who can be against us what trouble what problem what difficulty has raised itself against you today you need to know there is a God who is greater a God who is more powerful and that is the God that we need to praise and we need to worship I want to deal with one final thing and that is her emotional peace Verse 35 says this, and then she stopped having children. After that, she stopped having children. Now, this is a moment in time. You read a little bit later on. There were more children that were to come later on, but at that moment, she stopped having children. This is a definite moment in time that she arrived at. It was at this moment that she realized the great power and the love of God and the peace of God that can flood your soul in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your trouble, that somewhere there is this peace and you can't explain it. You can't explain why it's there. You can't even explain how it came to you. But you know you've determined to praise the Lord. And through all of that, the praise has come. And you begin to magnify the Lord. You begin to worship Him and give Him all the glory and the honor. And all of a sudden, you don't understand it. You can't explain it. But there is a peace that floods your heart and your mind and your soul in the midst of your struggle and your disappointment. You can't even begin to tell me you're so excited. Listen, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God is able to bring peace when you decide that in the midst of your disappointment you're going to praise Him and you're going to give glory to Him and honor to Him. You magnify the name of the Lord and a peace will come over your heart and your soul. She's no longer trying to change the situation. She's no longer trying to somehow fix it. No longer trying to get the attention of Jacob. No longer trying to feed that emotional struggle with her own heart and her own problems and her own solutions. But instead, now God is coming into the situation. And there is a peace that floods her heart and her soul. We have to come to the place of realizing God is involved in our lives and He has been right from the start. Right from the start. Right from the beginning. You see, what we don't realize, we look at poor Leah and we think, you know, she was just forced into this situation. Jacob, he was deceived. I mean, these two, they didn't stand a chance. And yet in all of that, we see this, that she gave birth to the first four tribes of Israel. Those who would be a part of the plan of God. In fact, it wasn't even through Rachel, the one that Jacob loved the most, through any of her children that the line of of the Messiah would come. The ancestors of the Messiah would come. It was through 
Leah through Judah that we would then see Jesus come onto the scene from the tribe of Judah who would be the Savior of all the world. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but God has a way of fixing stuff that we think is broken. He has a way of entering into situations that somehow we think is unfair. He's got a way of coming into your moment and causing you to realize that He has been there all along and He is with you every step of the way. You don't have to worry You don't have to doubt. You don't have to be afraid. And you don't have to try to fill the longing of your heart with other things. You run straight for Him and say, Lord, I am going to praise You today. We've got to be satisfied from above. That's exactly what she was. The Bible says, now I will praise the Lord. In verse 35, she stopped having children. Obviously, there was absolutely nothing wrong with her having children. Nothing wrong with that. And, and it, was, it was important that she would, especially to the future of Israel. But in that moment now, all of a sudden, there is that which causes her to be satisfied with that which God has given to her. And we've got to be satisfied with everything that God has given to us. The Bible says... She stopped having children. It wasn't that she got fed up with not getting any emotional attention from Jacob or that any of these children brought her the kind of emotional peace and stability that she was looking for, but there was something that had happened to her in her heart through praise that brought her peace. This is why it's so important at the beginning of a meeting, you might not be used to praise. You might not be used to worship. Can I encourage you to do it? One, because the Bible tells us to, but also because of the fact that in that, the Bible says that he inhabits or dwells in the praises of his people. When he comes down in this place, he brings peace to our hearts and our minds. In closing, you may have emotional pain. Or any other kind of pain for that matter. Today I want to invite you to a place of power. It is a place of praise. A place of worship. A place of saying, God, I'm going to focus my attention on you. You say, well, I've got to forget about my trouble. Why don't you for a moment? Why don't you just let him in the moment of, of praise and worship come into your situation and let you know that it's going to be all right. Then let you know that He is going to fill the longing of your heart and your soul and your mind. It may not be easy depending on what you're going through and whatever your situation might be today. I don't want to belittle that or put that down and say that somehow there's a problem there. But you need to know today that God is greater than any of your struggles, any of your problems that you're faced with. He is more powerful than what it is that you are going through. So today I invite you to the place of praise. I invite us all right now to stand to our feet. And regardless of what you're feeling or you're going through right now, I invite you to open your mouths and begin to glorify the name of the Lord. Nobody's going to look around and judge you for whatever it is that you're doing or saying right now, but you begin to magnify the Lord. In the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your pain and difficulty, know today that God is able today. Magnify the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we glorify you, Jesus. We glorify your mighty name today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. Lord, we honor you today. 
We honor you today, oh God. You are worthy of our praise, Lord. You're worthy of our praise today, Lord Jesus. <coughs> Hallelujah. Oh, we magnify you. You are worthy, Lord. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, oh God. Hallelujah. We praise your name today. We praise your name, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we glorify you. We praise you, oh God. We praise you, Jesus. You are worthy, you are worthy, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We glorify your name. We magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of Jesus. We magnify your name today, O oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You're worthy, you're worthy, O oh God. You're worthy, you're worthy to be praised, O oh God. Hallelujah. Lord, we glorify you, we glorify you. Come on, break through in praise. Break through in praise. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah to you, Lord. We magnify you today, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah to you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want the musicians to come back and we're going to get ready to sing together that song we sang earlier, Give God the Glory. But as they come back right now, I want us to just begin to think just for a moment about whatever situation you're going through, whatever struggle you might be faced with today that has brought such deep disappointment in your heart. Whatever it is that you're dealing with today, i got to let you know that it starts first with the Lord. Don't try to fix it on your own. Don't try to say, I'm going to work this situation until I find a solution. But instead, you run to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to believe you for your grace, for your help, and I'm going to praise you. I'm determining in my heart that I'm going to praise you. In fact, right now, I want you to repeat after me and say it out loud. Now I will praise the Lord. Come on, say it. The Lord. Now I will praise the Lord. Now, one more time. Now I will praise the Lord. Now I will praise the Lord. Whatever you're faced with today, whatever your problem, whatever your circumstance, let that be the desire of your heart. Let it be the determination of your spirit and your heart today. Now I will. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We magnify your name. We magnify your name. Come on, give him praise. Praise the Lord. 